0: RV Miles is sponsored by LL Bean. LL Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can help them support the parks by shopping LL Bean's limited edition National Park Collection. Every time you purchase products from the National Park Collection, which includes totes, shirts, hats, patches, and more, you're helping to protect, restore, and improve parks throughout the U.S. Search National Park Collection at llbean.com and be an outsider. With LL Bean. This week, we explore the depths of Carlsbad Caverns for the second time, and we've learned some new tips. There are a million uses for WD 40, like removing bug guts from the front of your RV, but what is it made of? RV TVs. Do you need to spend 3 grand for vibration resistance or can you buy the $150 Walmart special? Scenic overlooks are closing down in New Mexico, why we can't have nice things anymore. And rocker and bandana aficionado Brett Michaels is selling his RV. How much bleach would it take for you to buy it? Ooh. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 133 of RV Miles. I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more.
0: We are coming to you from sunny Southern California.
1: Love me some California. Oh
0: my goodness. You know... Our friends here and family have been like, oh, the weather's going to be so terrible. It's so cold. It's so cold. It's, it's like, 60 degrees it's today. 60, it's it's going to get up to like 67 and it's been sunny and uh, we're wearing shorts while everybody else is wearing coats. <laughs> right.
1: We're essentially what people in Chicago do when the weather hits like 40. Everyone goes out in their cargo shorts and their (laughs)
0: flip-flops. Exactly right.
1: (laughs) That's what's happening here, except it's legit shorts weather. It is. It's like 60 degrees. Now, California got some rain yesterday.
0: Uh, Yeah, a few drops. A few it was, drops. It was rough.
1: I was like, it's going to rain all day. It was and then terrible. it rained like for five seconds.
0: It sprinkled <laughs> twice. I'm not joking. It sprinkled twice. It That's sprinkled what it twice. did.
1: I think it rained overnight, though, okay. while we were sleeping. Okay. So they did get maybe some more legit <laughs> rain. But we are very glad to be here and to be in one place for at least nine days before we turn around and go back to Tucson where we will be for much longer than nine days. We'll be there for most of March.
0: So here's something fun to kick off the show with. This is a, this is something from an RV Facebook group that I came across. What is the main ingredient in WD-40? WD-40 has all sorts of uses according to this post. It can be used to protect silver from tarnishing. It can remove road tar and grime from cars. You can lubricate guitar strings with it. You can wax your floor with it, giving it that just wax sheen without making it slippery. Uh, You can restore and clean chalkboards. You can remove lipstick stains, all sorts of stuff, lubricate noisy door hinges, keep flies off of cattle.
1: Really? You spray your cattle with, W-D-4-3.
0: give a children's playground gym slide a shine for a super fast slide according to this post all that stuff's okay including spraying it with a cow because it's pretty natural the main ingredient is fish oil really Who would have guessed
1: it well it certainly doesn't smell and, like and there fish are like 43 oil
0: 43 different uses uh, of it here
1: I was gonna say water w uh
0: the problem with it is none of that's true <laughs> It's not, the main ingredient is not fish oil. It's well, pe, it's petroleum based. It's a penetrating oil.
1: Yeah. I, this is, I was very confused <laughs> by all of what was happening here because I thought it was a petroleum based. And then you're it very
0: clearly it. smells strongly petroleum based. And, that, and there's
1: no fish smell yeah, to it.
0: I would not wax your floors with it either. Can you imagine what the, the smell of your house would be if you waxed your floors with no. WD-40? It'd be awful.
1: I don't understand. What is wrong with the internet?
0: It's broken. Keeps pigeons off the balcony. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Removes the traces of duct tape. So when you have the one super useful item duct tape, you can remove it with the other super useful.
1: Provides a pleasant smell as a, a perfume for when you.
0: (laughs) The favorite use in the state of New York. It protects the Statue of Liberty from the elements. I I highly doubt it.
1: I... (laughs) somehow
0: wd-40 attracts fish spray a little live <laughs> bait and lures and Look, you will be catching the big ones in no time
1: can i go back <laughs> to that statue of liberty thing for just a minute we did an episode of lady liberty over there on america's national parks and i don't quite recall anywhere in our research where wd-40 came up as the uh the protector and the cleaner no of lady
0: liberty no no uh We do love WD-40. I love it. You you could care less. I love WD-40. It's great. It's useful. I carry it everywhere with me.
1: No, I love WD-40. If something's squeaky, (laughs) you spray it with WD-40.
0: But it's not made from fish oil. No, I call BS on that. I wouldn't wash your clothes with it, and I wouldn't wax your floors with it
1: wash your clothes well here's another one that kind of made me cock my head a little bit is when you said removes lipstick stains right. and i was like and "Then you're
0: gonna have an oil stain on i
1: don't think that's a good
0: idea <laughs> i really don't no wow no. uh wd 40 stands for water displacement number 40 and it was simply the 40th formula that they it tested up. uh that, took us 40 that tries worked. it did
1: Fair enough. Hey, you know what? Don't always go with the first try. The first try is not always the right
0: try. Uh, listener question here. I wanted to bring up. Somebody asked whether you need to get, you know, if they've got a new trailer and it didn't come with a TV.
1: Oh, been there, done uh, that.
0: Yeah. Uh, a lot of them don't ship with TVs these days, uh, even though they've got a big place for a TV.
1: <laughs> they say insert TV here.
0: And the question was whether you need an RV specific TV uh, for your trailer or not.
1: Do they make RV-specific TVs? Well, they,
0: they do. Who?
1: What brand? Uh, Who Fu- does it?
0: Furion is one of the main brands. Furion makes all kinds of RV stuff. They make backup cameras and stovetops and, and all sorts of electronic stuff. How did I not um, know this? And Furion makes RV-specific TVs. And a lot of your high-end RVs are going to come with TVs that are made for RVs. Now, Wait,
1: what does that mean? Okay, well, what does couple, it mean there, to be RV-specific? There,
0: there are a couple things. Uh, one is they're usually 12 volt, which you can get 12 volt TVs that are not RV specific as well. Okay. Uh, 12 volt, meaning that you can run them off of your batteries, which is nice, right? Instead of having an inverter and turning your inverter on. Uh, Right. Those are sort of going further and further away. The more that inverters are becoming more and more standard. Uh, But RV specific TVs are meant, at least the ones that Furion makes are meant to withstand the extreme temperatures better so you know say you're driving your rv and it's heated uh back up to your home in michigan in the middle of february and it's below 10 outside and then you put it in storage and turn it off and it's all of a sudden drops real cold that that day it's supposed to protect from from damage from that uh, and they're supposed to be better at dealing with road vibrations.
1: That was going to be my biggest question is that is that the real difference that they are designed for the fact that you have like a moving earthquake?
0: Yeah. Now, here's the issue. You could buy like seven regular TVs (laughs) over for the cost of one of these RV specific TVs.
1: There it is again. You just stick that little (laughs) RV in front of something and suddenly it's way more expensive.
0: So really, I mean, we've been traveling with a non RV TV for for three and a half years and have had no issues. We no. bought a new. We This is our second TV. Uh, the first one was fine, though, and it just stayed with our bus. But when we bought our new trailer, we bought a TV for it. And we uh, have
1: two TVs in this trailer. And I would say just answering this of my own, uh, is that I don't care so much about being RV specific is I care more about how much it weighs, how heavy is it? Yeah. You know, where is it going to go? And then how are you going to support it? You know, that was one of our big things when we were looking for a TV. A, we didn't want to spend a ton of money because we don't watch a ton of television and B we wanted it to be on the lighter side because we wanted to be able to mount it and we didn't want to be concerned about it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the thing is, if something does go wrong with it, well, it was what, 250 bucks?
1: No, it wasn't even that. It was like $130. It's a Roku TV. We got it at Best Buy. It was on sale. The one the okay. kids have in their bedroom was like about the same, but it doesn't need to be mounted. It's just on a stand.
0: So the uh, the Furion TV that's that's about the same size that is an RV specific TV is more than 10 times that cost.
1: Get, get that, it's, get out almost, of here.
0: Almost, no. uh, probably 15, 20 times. It's it's in the 2000s.
1: Come on, no, yeah. you don't need to do that. So, you do it if you want to do it. And, you, hey, more power to you, whatever. It could go Be-
0: bad every year and yeah. you could get a new one every you year. You don't the point. have to. No, no there's don't. no reason. And uh, most, uh, most TVs in RVs these days are not some special RV specific TV. Now, if you are buying an outdoor TV, You may want to consider getting an out a specific outdoor TV only because they deal with the elements better. You know, they can handle rain and wind and stuff, although hopefully you'll be closing it up if there's raining wind, but they're also brighter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the big issue with outdoor TVs, because you're you, you really need that brightness to cut through the sun.
1: If you want an outdoor TV and it doesn't come with your rig, you're making a very specific choice. So go and make a specific choice in regards to the television Buy right. If you're just buying for inside your rig, don't go spend thousands of dollars on a television.
0: All right. We've got some RV miles community news. We have a new video out on the Our Wandering Family YouTube channel.
1: We did. And, you know, before we get started, we'll just put this little plea out and we want to call it a plea, a disclaimer. I don't know. But if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, we would really love it if you would go over and subscribe to RV Miles and our wandering family over on RV Miles. You're going to find more RV specific videos that are not so much about our personal travels or family travel. You're going to find all of that over on our wandering family. Sometimes I think to myself, I don't know why we have two YouTube channels, but we're in it to win it. We do.
0: So there we go.
1: Because YouTube won't let us marry the two channels. So we're just in it to win it. But we're going to
0: continue to sort of focus on our travels on the our Our wandering family channel. And the RV miles channel will really be about Tips and tricks and products and stuff.
1: Yeah. And we have a couple, we've been filming small segments of the podcast. Now we're not doing it this week because uh, we're actually sitting in a recording the, studio. This is
0: so legit. We are the most the, legit we've ever been right yeah, now.
1: We're like professionals today. My brother, uh, who's a musician here in California, he has a studio and they have just the full setup. And at, The
0: trailer is actually parked at the studio. Yes. Um,
1: and so we are over here to... record and we are surrounded by like real legit recording (laughs) <laughs> in a soundproof room. This is the most professional I feel like I've ever totally. been. So we're not doing any filming this week of the show. We'll get back to that next week. But over on RV Miles, we do have a couple of videos coming down the pipeline that are going to review some products that we recently were able to check out.
0: A water filter, the Hughes Autoformer, the Jerry Can water, uh, yeah. water filtration jug, all kinds of stuff coming
1: Yeah, out. so we've got a few things over there. And then what Jason alluded to, Over at our Wondering Family is I did a video earlier this week that talked about how we grocery shop as a full time family of five on a budget across the country. Uh, We get a lot of questions about that, and I hadn't really been in a position, or we hadn't been in a position where we were ready to kind of talk about it because we were still figuring it out. And I think now we've really kind of figured out something that works well for us. And this year, we also really have a goal of zero waste. Mm -hmm. We're really trying to cut down uh, how much food we waste in our lives um, because it's such a big global issue. And so that has really impacted how we shop. So that's kind of a new video we have over on our wandering family. We will link to both of those channels. Um, But if you're listening and you haven't headed over to YouTube, Uh, we'd really love you to join us over there.
0: We want to send a big shout out to our friends, Andrew and Matt, who are RV Miles Facebook group members who have both purchased their first RVs and we couldn't be happier for them and their families. And we hope to see you all out on the road.
1: Absolutely. And we appreciate you sharing your joy with us over in the RV Miles Facebook community page because it's really exciting to see the joy that people have in Experiencing this lifestyle in whatever way that works for them, because that's the cool thing about RVing is it can be full time, part time weekend warriors, seasonal, whatever. And it's just really cool to see everyone so excited by it.
0: We also we also want to remind everybody that we have the road trippers giveaway going on that ends on February 25th. uh, So don't wait to enter. But if you, uh, you want to give Road Trippers a try and you don't want to wait to see if you, you won, go ahead and save 20% off on a one-year Road Trippers Plus subscription with the code RVMILES917X. We'll link in the show notes. There was that radio station back home. It was 91.7X. The
1: X. Was it yes. the X or just X?
0: The uh, X. X.
1: Just X. Yes. Now. I don't know if you know, meant- it
0: was not. It was 97 X, 97. Wow. This
1: really is saying. nothing. Now yeah. you've really confused people. Yeah. Sorry. There you go. RV but-
0: miles, nine one seven X for 20% off uh, a road trippers plus. Yeah. And that's
1: just for one year. Now our giveaway though is a lifetime subscription.
0: Yeah. And all you so, got to do is enter an email address. Yeah. At-
1: there's no purchase necessary. <laughs> nothing extra you have to do. And it'll be for a lifetime subscription to Road Trippers Plus. Our coupon code is for 20% off for a one-year Road Trippers Plus subscription.
0: We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. And we're going to talk about Carlsbad Caverns National Park. Be right back. We're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. What words are pronounced differently by merely capitalizing the first letter? And there could be many, many examples to this, but we've got three here, and we were emailed some other ones, but here here are the three that we've got. Job and Job. Herb and herb, like had, the name herb. I had a, I had a, You had, to I had think about that I for a minute. Yeah, it was I know. hard to say those two words <laughs> differently.
1: And it also depends on if you are American or if you are
0: British. Yeah. Herb H E R B or herb, the name H E R B, uh, Polish and Polish, yeah. uh, words like that. Those Isn't the, that crazy? Those we got, yeah.
1: I love how just literally changing the capitalizing of the first letter changes the way we said the word.
0: Hey, if you're looking for an RV miles themed t-shirt, head over to Teespring, uh, our Teespring store. You can find the link in the show notes to get a keep log in those RV miles t-shirt or a Waldock t-shirt. It says sometimes we boon barrel, sometimes we wall dock, but you'll always find us far from the gridlock.
1: That's exactly what it says. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are interested in picking up, uh, keep logging those RV miles or any of the other um, RV miles gear we have in our Teespring store, you can save 10% with your code RV miles. It's just all one word, just get you 10% off your order. And then this way, you know, you don't have to answer the brain teaser anymore in order to get one of those t-shirts. You can just go over and get it yourself whenever you feel like it.
0: Okay. We spent almost an entire week at Carlsbad, New Mexico, and it was almost exactly two years to the date yeah. from our first experience in Carlsbad. So if you were to go way back in the archives of the RV miles episodes, we did an episode on Carlsbad the caverns, but... We're going to do it again because things have changed and uh, and, and we, we learned have changed. some new things. Yeah,
1: we have changed. I mean, two years is a decent amount of time to come back and revisit. We try not to revisit topics too much, but we also know that, you know, sometimes you can't go back a hundred. We're at episode one hundred and thirty three. I think maybe now at this time, you know. We can start revisiting a few things because things have changed in two years. A lot of things change in the industry in two years and certainly a lot of things have changed in the national parks in two years.
0: So let's start with where we stayed. We stayed at Brantley Lake State Park. And and it's the
1: same place we stayed two years ago. We really love New Mexico State Parks.
0: Brantley Lake is interesting. First of all, there's not a lot of options for Carlsbad Caverns camping. No. Um, There's no camping at the park. There is a... Private campground right outside of the park, but it is literally a lot that you pull into and and, uh, I don't understand money to just sort of camp next to other people.
1: Yeah, I really don't understand that. It's like
0: on a road. Yeah, it's not not my choice. Uh, Brantley Lake is it's about a half hour drive from the national park, um, but it's it's worth it. It's only fourteen dollars a night. I mean, for electric and water hookups, that's a, that's a great deal. New Mexico state parks are a great deal in general. There was a little bit of an issue at Brantley Lake this year. However, they are remodeling the bathhouse right now.
1: Which is definitely in need of a bathhouse. If you go back in the archives and you listen to us talk about this park, you will listen to us talk about probably one of the worst bathhouse experiences we've ever had.
0: Well, it's just really bad. It was really bad showers because there were those kinds that sort of missed you.
1: Yeah. The heat on the was, shower stopped within like two inches of yeah, coming out of the shower. It feels real head. warm then, if you put your
0: hand up there. Yeah.
1: I was like tiptoe, like I was on my tiptoes trying to take a shower, just trying to get some heat. And we just shivered the whole time. And so, you know, that was just one of those things. And we were there for two weeks. So, you know, we had the bus. And so, yeah, we
0: didn't have a shower in the bus.
1: Right. Well, we also didn't have the option of like, you know, a poop wagon where we could like dump our gray water and like drive it over and dump it. You know, I mean, it was a really different situation. So when you're somewhere for that long for two weeks, being able to utilize a bathhouse is really, really important. And this one was a nightmare. So thankfully it is getting completely gutted. But we didn't know that. And Yet- they didn't have that on their website no, so it was a they, little surprising what they
0: did do is they had temporary like these trailer bathhouses that nope. you pull up That that nope. is sort of like really high-end porta potties nope uh you didn't use them nope i did i thought they were <laughs> uh, the bathrooms the, the the toilet rooms were fine the showers were okay but what i didn't like about the showers is that they also had toilets in nope. them and because the other bathrooms didn't have any toilet paper everybody was using the two shower bathrooms so the bathrooms didn't stay very clean
1: i don't know if i've said this enough no
0: anyway that's N-O-P-E. why this is all why most of us travel in an rv so we can have yes. our own bathroom and deal yes. with this stuff but, but
1: we already have and we haven't actually mentioned this and we're not gonna go too much into it until we get it fixed and figured out we're having a little bit of an issue with the shower in the
0: rv see, there's a leak in the in the drain of the shower so i I'm mean fix that
1: yeah I, I, mm, we knew things were going to pop up, but Heartland, I mean,
0: it's a small thing. <laughs> and I, I, I don't have any, I don't have any concern that I won't be able to easily fix it. I think it just was No, it's well. finding the time to do but it. Yeah. And it
1: would have been nice if we had known going into Brantley Lake that this was going to be, uh, the bathhouses were not going to be accessible. Then we would have put that higher up on our list of things to do before we got back on the road. And we just didn't because we didn't know this was going to be a situation.
0: Yeah. Now, one more thing I want to talk about about this area before we get into talking about the National Park is that there is a lot of energy work going on around here. Natural gas, fracking, oil fields. That was happening when we were there two years ago. It's gotten... A lot worse.
1: Carlsbad has really changed over the last two years. It doesn't feel so much anymore to me like a permanent place, so much as a pop up to support the um, seasonal workers that come in.
0: Yeah, and you might ask why that might affect you, and the reason is there is a very pungent odor because of it.
1: Yes, um, and also some of the sightlines in and around. Brantley Lake state park are altered. You Mm. know, you don't really feel like you're in a state park anymore. Sometimes I think as much as you just feel like you're plopped down in the middle of just towers and, and
0: now for the most part at our campsite, we did not deal with the smell. No, Um, but every now and then it wafted in. And when you're driving in and out of the park and in the area, it was very strong. There's also sort of like a haze in the air um, that the, can be you know if you're somebody that has really sensitive system, sensitive eyes that sort of thing you might you might have some issues down here
1: I think I said to you that it feels like Carlsbad Caverns National Park and Guadalupe are saving that part of New Mexico from itself
0: right right because the second you, you get south of the town of Carlsbad it's all natural land and that's very nice and there's yeah. the two national parks
1: yeah it's tough you know there's a fine balance with you know, industry and the natural world, and and how we use all of that. And I think Carlsbad, New Mexico, is struggling a little bit right now with its identity, yep. and how it all fits into all of that. And so the town is is altered, and we were sad to see some places that we had really liked when we were there the last time are closed. Um, you know, so Carlsbad is clearly going through a bit of an identity crisis. It feels like, thankfully. Carlsbad Caverns National Park is still as beautiful and as thriving as ever, but the town of Carlsbad is certainly not what we remember.
0: So let's talk about Carlsbad Caverns. This place is, for me, viewing the caverns for the first time, the size, the enormity of the caverns underground. It was like seeing a mountain for the first time. And I've done lots of caves. I've been in lots of caves in the Midwest, uh, which are. Uh, similar, but on a much smaller scale. Carlsbad Caverns is quite simply like the most amazing underground thing I've ever seen.
1: I had someone ask me if it was worth it to go. They were going to be in the area. I think maybe later this year or early next year. And they had done a lot of caves and they had cited uh, mammoth and wind cave. And they said, is it worth it for us to go to Carlsbad? Should we just go on? We've done a lot of caves. I said, you absolutely go you have to stop. We've done those caves too and a few other private ones. This is unlike anything you will ever, ever lay your eyes on. It is just phenomenal. The first time you see it, it's overwhelming. The second time you see it, it's still overwhelming, but because you've kind of gotten over the shock of it, then you start to see the fine pieces of it, the, the details that you missed that first time because your eyes were just, they couldn't look around fast enough.
0: Yeah. In fact, on this trip, we went down into the main cave twice, into the big room twice, yeah. and the second time felt totally different than the first time.
1: It did. And we found ourselves the second time spending more time looking up. Then uh, just sort of like in the general, our general walking sight line, like we were really sort of looking up at the top of the big room. So, but before we get ahead of ourselves, one thing I want to point out is that we have gone now twice prior to bat flight season. So we're kind of in the slower season at Carlsbad Caverns. And I know that some people have cited that during the busy season, they're waiting 45 minutes to an hour for the elevator to go down to the big room.
0: Oh gosh, wow. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, there's, you know, We've there had are th- people there, but when we were there, it was it was a breeze of an experience.
1: Absolutely. So we went on a Wednesday And it was like nobody was there. It almost felt to the point where we had not only the natural entrance, but the big room all to ourselves. When we went on a Saturday, I did not feel that way. You know, it was the weekend. There were more people there uh, walking the big room. We were, there was a lot of traffic. We were grouped in with people trying to quietly pass by people. There was a lot more noise.
0: But there was still no waiting. or. There
1: was no waiting for the elevator. You know, we didn't have, you know, we weren't standing around. We were still constantly fluidly moving. So keep that in mind that if you go during peak season at Carlsbad Caverns, your experience may be a little bit different than ours in regards to crowd level. So talk
0: about what the bat flight is.
1: So bat flight begins mid April and the programming though for bat flight doesn't begin until Memorial Day weekend. But what it is, is Brazilian free tailed bats are migrating back to Carlsbad Cavern and they come in through the natural entrance and then they go deep into the cavern and that's where they live during the day. And then at night, thousands of them exit through the natural entrance and go out to feast.
0: Yeah. So they have a big program in an amphitheater yes. where they fly over your head. And and that's very, very popular. It's
1: very popular. It's supposed to be just absolutely spectacular to see. Now, because it's so popular, it gets really busy at Carlsbad Caverns, especially on the weekend. So we have always wanted to do bat flight. We haven't done it yet. I think that we will probably do that the next time we go. Just so just kind of keep that in mind that, you know, again, it's summer and it's just going to be really busy. And they usually, I think, start to head out uh, around the fall. I think the program stops running um, around Labor Day weekend.
0: So entrance into Carlsbad is $15 for a seven day pass for persons over 16, anybody under 16 is free. But if you have the America, the beautiful pass, the annual pass that's $80 or or the senior pass or the access pass, you will get into the cave for free into the self-guided natural entrance tour. So that's a little bit different from a lot of other caves like Mammoth Cave, if you wanna go down into the cave, you do have to pay a tour fee, even if you have the annual pass at Carlsbad, you're gonna get to go down into the cave with the pass and explore above ground as well. And Carlsbad is a wonderful park above ground. There are several different cave tours that are available, but the main one is the natural entrance tour that you take on your own. Uh, But the other tours are, they're very small. They're usually 12 to 16 people and you can book them online in advance. They sell out very quickly. They're difficult to get, but if you can get them, get them because they're a lot of fun and you get to you know be going through the caverns into places where people don't normally go with a ranger. You also want to look online to, to make sure that you're wearing the right equipment, right shoes and, and, uh, and clothing for some of those additional cave tours because they do have different requirements for those. And they also have different age ranges for the different tours that are available. So we have several tips about visiting the park. And our first one is to whatever you do, hike the natural entrance down into the big room. So the big room is the main area at the bottom of the cave. Right. And there are two ways to get down there. One is to hike through the natural entrance, which is a long sort of downhill down paths through a cave. And the other one is just, just take the elevator down 700 feet. The natural entrance walk is incredible. I mean, you're going through giant cave room after giant cave room, down through smaller hallways, uh, and then it opens up into another big room, and then you're back into another small hallway. None of it is like claustrophobic feeling, anything like that. Nothing's like crawling through anything. Um, it's all very easy to do. It is. It's a little hard on the knees and legs. It's a. It's a long way down. It's. I think it's like a mile and a half.
1: Yeah, we were all really tired afterwards. I mean, it's a lot of work, um, but I would say that this time down was a whole lot easier with the kids than the first time because they're a little bit older now. Uh, it can be a little stressful with really young children, just because there are drop-offs and you know you're just walking on this path, and you know they do a very good job of keeping it safe, but you know you are still really high up and you're descending really fast and. Uh, It can be a little a little stress inducing with small people and
0: hiking out the natural entrance is going to be a lot more difficult than hiking in. So, uh, you know, if you want that challenge, great. Uh, But if you've got little kids, it's probably not a great idea. If you're unable uh, to to walk something like the natural entrance or if you just don't have the time, the elevator is still a really good option. You could take the elevator down. But if you walk the natural entrance in, you can take the elevator out, which is really, really great benefit uh, to their setup there. Our second tip, if time allows plan for at least three days to get a good overview of the park. Now, you can definitely do Carlsbad Caverns in one day, uh, even a half day. But if you really want to get a good overview of the different caves, the above grand area, which is really spectacular and do the Junior Ranger program and stuff. Take your time uh, because it's really a wonderful park and you can spend a few different days there.
1: Yeah. And the Junior Ranger program has both above ground and below ground questions, which is kind of why we suggest taking more than one day to do it if you can, so that you can experience all of Carlsbad and not do it in a way that feels really rushed. Like I'm just trying to get this booklet done so we can get this badge so that we can get out of here before they close at five o'clock.
0: Tip three is take the nine and a half mile Walnut Canyon Drive, uh, which is a, a gravel scenic drive. It was spectacular, particularly at sunset, probably at sunrise too, I would imagine. There's a there's an overlook of the Rattlesnake Canyon area over there that is just one of the most fabulous pictures I've ever taken. That I really love during the golden hour. And it's just, it's a wonderful place. And it's a wonderful way out of the park. So once you've gone through the caves, the beginning of this nine and a half mile drive that takes about a half hour to 45 minutes to do is up by the cave entrance. And the, the main entrance, the visitor center to the cave is like on top of a mountain. So when you drive into the park, you're driving up and up and up and up and you're, you're up there. So this scenic drive begins up there and sort of takes you out at the bottom. So it's a good way to, so, to sort of leave. Tip four, don't worry about your pets. Carlsbad is one of the few national parks that offers a pet kennel for a $10 a day fee. It's temperature controlled and Carlsbad doesn't allow you to leave pets in a car or an RV. So it's a really cool thing that they do because, you know, they were having issues with people leaving their pets in these vehicles. So now you can go there and use the kennel. And it is RV friendly up there, even though it is this sort of long drive up the mountain. There were lots of big rigs up there.
1: Yeah, I was surprised by how many RVs were up there.
0: So if you're sort of on your way across the south and it's just a stopover, it is a place that you can stop. You can't camp up there. You can't stay overnight. There is a bunch of BLM land nearby, though, if you don't want to, if you are are really doing one of those sort of quick visits to a place like this. Number five, take in the park video before you do anything else. It's a 17-minute overview of the park. It's a really well-done video.
1: Yeah, it held the interest of our entire family for 17 minutes. So I think that's saying something. We love park videos. I mean, that's no surprise. And we always advocate for doing a park video before you go and tour the National Park Service site. But sometimes some park videos speak more to the grownups in the room than they do to the younger ones. But this one does a really good job of speaking to all ages.
0: And sometimes they're more modern. Sometimes they're much older. Sometimes they're really about facts. Sometimes they're about sort of like the feeling of the place and how special it is and this one sort of does a cool balance of everything i think i think it works really well number six take a hike above ground there are lots of different hikes up there there's a short little nature trail near the visitor center we did a a real hike uh sort of our first real hike in a long time other than walking down into the natural entrance Uh, we did the the hike to the slaughter Canyon cave, which is one of those cave tours that you can do. And you would drive to this cave. It's, it's away from the natural entrance a few miles, but you can drive to where this trail begins. And if you did the tour with a ranger, they would take you there and you'd follow them up, but you can go Without a ranger and just not go in the cave and just take the trail and visit this wonderful canyon over there. Uh, It's another sort of cave that has its entrance at the top of a mountain. So basically the hike is a half mile up a mountain. It's steep and rocky and uh, and the kids did really well with it. I was really happy with them.
1: They did really well. I would argue that it's more than half of a mile. I'd say it's probably closer to a mile before you get to the actual cave yeah, entrance.
0: it's listed at half a mile, but it's probably more.
1: Yeah, and it is straight up. You gain a lot of elevation really fast. You do, depending on your the size of your legs, uh, some of us were just feeling like we were walking up steps, and some of us were feeling like we were climbing up steps. You know, we, full disclosure, we did not finish this trail. We did not get all the way to the cave entrance. We got to a bend where uh, the trail continued up in a way that was really steep and really narrow, and we didn't really feel like we were in the best position to continue that especially just getting back into hiking after being away from it for almost six months and also you know this particular cave tour children under the age of eight are not allowed so if that gives you kind of an idea of not only what the hike is like up to the cave but then also what you can expect when you go into the cave there you go um so we had henry and he's six and then we had ethan and jack who are above the age of eight but there was a point where, you know, we all kind of stopped. And then I went on for a little bit to sort of assess the situation. And I just thought, I don't want to do this um, with Henry.
0: Yeah, we didn't do maybe probably the last couple hundred feet. Of the uh,
1: yeah, trail. maybe. Yeah, not even the last quarter mile. I mean, we could see um, up the side of the mountain, you know, exactly where the entrance to the cave was. But we decided to go ahead and turn around. And, you know, one thing to think about when you go up steep you're going to go down steep.
0: Yeah. And it's just as hard.
1: And it is. And, you know, I would actually say it was harder because you did come into some places where the ground was not as stable. There's a lot of loose rock, Yeah, but it was a really great opportunity for us to practice good hiking skills, learning how to uh, hike down sideways or hike down in ways that, you know, will keep you from sliding. It was a great practice for the kids, but we were all definitely really exhausted, but really enthused by this trail. And the views are just really spectacular. They rate it as a moderate to difficult trail. And I do think as long as you feel comfortable and you have the right shoes on, do not be trying to do this in your Crocs.
0: If it was a longer trail, it would be solidly in the difficult category.
1: Yeah. It's only because it's so
0: short. Yeah. And just in the, in the middle of, teaching the kids how to like, you know, put their hand on a rock that's next to them on their way down. I shoved my hand right into a cactus. You did. And I'm still pulling out little cactus needles from my hand.
1: The Epperson's can't go into New Mexico without at least one Epperson touching a cactus. (laughs) Apparently, I have to say, I got to give a little shout out to Ethan, our nine-year-old. He really excelled on this trail. He took off really kind of on his own He was a leader for most of the time. I was really impressed with how sure-footed he felt, how confident he felt. You know, he can sometimes be our most uh, anxious hiker. He certainly felt very anxious the first time we did the natural entrance and about 50% of that anxiety stuck around for the second time this year. But on this trail, he really, I felt like came into his own and it just kind of led the way. And I felt very comfortable allowing him to kind of go on ahead of me. So I, I was really, really happy for him that he found something, you know, that, that boosted his confidence in the outdoors.
0: He did fantastic. He we, did. We also had a picnic lunch before this hike, which is our next tip. take a picnic lunch because there are lots of different places that you can do that at this park. And The entrance to this hike is one of them. And it was a really, really nice experience.
1: And another thing to just suggest about this time of year is that you really do want to bring layers and plenty of water. The temperatures change rapidly in the Southwest. We saw 35 degree temperature jumps in 24 hours. So we might start off with a light jacket at the beginning of the day and maybe even some pants But then a lot of times what I would do is dress the kids in pants that could, you know, have them zip off and turn into shorts and have a light jacket that they could put into their backpack because by mid afternoon, the sun is out and it's incredibly warm. But then once the sun starts going down, then the temperatures start dropping again. So, you know, this is that time of year where you're wearing all your seasons.
0: The wind can go from nothing to like a, a full-on gale yeah. at, any, at any time.
1: So you can just wear your whole closet in New Mexico <laughs> during February, March, and maybe even a little bit of April. I'm not sure. I don't think we've ever been in New Mexico during the April months.
0: So that was our experience at Carlsbad Caverns National Park. It's a great visit. It's a great short visit for a national park service site where you get to still see a lot in a short amount of time. And it's really great to pair with Guadalupe Mountains National Park, which is about another hour down the road from Carlsbad. We didn't do that this time because our time was so short, but Guadalupe is is beautiful. It is a fantastic park to visit as well when you're in the area. All right, we're gonna take a break. And when we come back, we'll have our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. We'll be right back. The RV Miles podcast is sponsored by FMCA, the world's largest nonprofit RV club. FMCA offers all sorts of discount programs, all sorts of ways to learn about RVing and to communicate and meet other RVers out there on the road. One of the best features that FMCA offers is their tire discount program. The tire discount program is completely included with your membership. It's no additional fee. And you can get tires from Continental, Hankook, and Michelin for steep, steep discounts at tire centers across the country. You can literally save hundreds per tire. And you can go on to fmca.com and view tire quotes right then and there at participating tire dealers all around the place. Tires are so expensive, especially if you've got a big motor coach and you've got six tires replaced. We know that that can get up into the $3,000 range or more. And you can get some of the best tires that are made through FMCA's discount program installed by regular local installers that exist everywhere across the country. And it even comes in handy when a tire emergency occurs when you're traveling in your RV anywhere you are.
1: So if you are not a member of FMCA and you would like to join, RV Miles listeners can save $10 on their first year with code RVMILES20. A year membership is $85 and $75 to renew. But again, save $10 instantly and join for your first year for 75 bucks. That's RVMILES20 at checkout. You can go to FMCA.com or call 800 543 Or let's make it even easier. Just click on the ad on the RV Miles website, rvmiles.com.
0: All right. It's time for our fresh tank, black tank segment, where we talk about the good, bad, and the stinky happening in the world of RVing, camping, the outdoors, national parks, you name it. Abby, what is your black tank for this week?
1: So my black tank is pretty multifaceted and I'm going to try and not get too deep into it. But there is an article that came across... my computer in the America's National Parks Facebook group that talks about uh, Yellowstone in particular feeling some of the economic impact that the coronavirus will have on the park this year due to the lack of international travelers, specifically Chinese travelers. Chinese travelers make up a huge portion of the visitor numbers to Yellowstone. I think it was
0: about, I think it's about 10%.
1: Yes, they say somewhere between 350,000 to 400,000 Chinese visitors travel to Yellowstone each year. That number is suspected to sink because Chinese tour groups have been 100% suspended. Now, my... Reasoning for black tanking this and sharing this is not because of Yellowstone. I am saddened to see the impact that the loss of tourism is going to have on this community. This is going to affect the park. It's going to affect those cities in and around the park that rely on this. Um, but what makes me sad about this is that this is a really serious thing for our Chinese friends. Okay, they're dealing with an incredible, incredible crisis. In their country and why I'm black tanking this is because what I saw in our group the way people responded to this article was disgusting it was disgusting the way they talked about our foreign friends the way they rejoiced in the fact that people were not going to come to this country from China you can feel the way you want to feel about the coronavirus and if you want to be mad at me when I'm done talking about this that's fine But to rejoice in the fact that thousands of people are sick and losing their lives and you get to go to Yellowstone without tourists there getting in way of you seeing Old Faithful is gross. Like I'm shaking with rage talking about this. It is a worldwide travesty what is happening and Yellowstone should not be the thing that you are most worried about right now. If you find yourself rejoicing that you don't have to put up with, and I quote, people taking selfies at Yellowstone, then you need to take a hard look at yourself and how you view your brothers and sisters in this world. I don't get upset about a lot of things, and I'm sure a lot of this is going to get edited out. And I might come back to this and feel like maybe I, you know, I try to stay pretty neutral, but I couldn't believe the responses by people rejoicing in the fact that our international friends were not going to be coming to Yellowstone this year. I mean, the title that someone put was pack your bags. Like let's all get over to Yellowstone now because hooray, the coronavirus is keeping Chinese visitors from coming to our country.
0: It's, it's absolutely horrible what they're going through and what different communities that are now experiencing this virus around the world are, are going through. And it's horrible that it's going to impact. I mean, imagine being a hotel operator.
1: Absolutely. There and
0: 10%. I mean, that's 10% of your income is gone for the year.
1: Right. You can go and have a nice, quote unquote, quiet experience now at Yellowstone, but there will be a lot of people. That are going to wish that those travelers were there. They need them for their livelihood. And we should never be happy that we get to go somewhere because other people are suffering.
0: Yeah. And the the entire idea that there's a lot of hate of foreign visitors among national park lovers and foreign visitors are are such a big part of our economy, a, a huge part of our economy.
1: You know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know that Jason and I don't often get this upset about something. And I want to make this very clear. This is not a political, I'm not taking a political position on this. I'm taking a humanitarian issue on this. It's breaking my heart.
0: And of course, there should be travel quarantines. Nobody's Absolutely. arguing that, they should be, uh, that we should be allowing anybody no, I'm, from these regions of China to be coming here.
1: I'm not advocating that the ban should be lifted. I'm not advocating that people should stay home. What I am saying is when you see an article like this, your first response should not be hip, hip, hooray. Let's go on vacation now. This could be for anything, anything that you see come across your path. Something is going to change because of human suffering. Your first response shouldn't be to rejoice in it.
0: That said, this will be a good year to go to Yellowstone. And if you want to go and support those businesses in that area, this would be an excellent thing to do, I think.
1: Absolutely. But go because you want to support the businesses and not because you have some formed Racial stereotype in your head that you won't have to put up with when you're at Yellowstone.
0: Let's lighten it up a bit. What's oh. your fresh tank?
1: <laughs> My fresh, fresh tank. tank is,
0: it's not really a fresh it, tank, is it?
1: It's like a 50% fresh tank. It's a 50. It's more gray tank. That's what uh, we call gray. <laughs> That's what we half call gray. <laughs> it's a half and half. Uh, it's like an, the Arnold Palmer of the tanks. <laughs> uh, it is. There was an article that someone shared in RV miles that um, Brett Michaels is currently selling his RV. So, Brett Michaels, you might know as the lead singer of Poison, or better yet, you might know him from Rock of Love on VH1, in which he was looking for his special, Someone.
0: Or you might know him from his collection of bandanas.
1: Or you might know him from his collection of bandanas. So, he is selling his tour bus. For $170,000, it's a 2014 Integra Aspire, and he just recently listed it. Uh, I laughed so hard at some of the comments that were made over on the RV Miles Facebook group. Uh, one was, I wouldn't buy that thing until I went through it with a black blacklight. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. I said I would have to get a super, super deep, deep clean on that thing before I even thought thought about it someone was really bothered by the like many different colors of wood that were in this thing he, so he's got it listed on RV Trader too which is like the most amazing thing ever right yeah he has his tour kicks off in Kansas City at Kauffman Stadium
0: which is the Royal Stadium
1: which is where the Royals play uh, so there's so many pieces to Brett Michaels happening in my world right now
0: but if, if, if you buy the uh, RV though you get to go to a meet and greet with brett michaels i know that's the most that's that's your money spent there well
1: i just asked if i could just pay the extra five dollars and not have to go
0: to the meet and greet
1: (laughs) so uh, if you are looking to own a piece of rock star fame
0: you could get brett michaels Michaels five-year-old rv you could
1: get (laughs) six-year-old you could actually probably seven because it came out in 2013 so you can get brett michaels seven-year-old tour bus with I don't know how many miles. I don't know how often this guy tours. I'm amazed that he's still able to fill something like a It has 111,000
0: miles on it. Well, he's on, he's, the tour is that tour with Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Joan Jett, and Poison.
1: That's right. That's right. (laughs) So it's $170,000. If you've been wanting to pick something up, uh, just go over to RV Trader and make a deal with Brett Michaels.
0: We'll link to it in the show notes so you can... uh, Enjoy how rock stars live just like us.
1: <laughs> rock stars. They're just like us. Can we call him a rock star though?
0: Yeah. I think poison it's, is it's, poison can be, you know, they're like 40 million we, records. I think.
1: Can we call him eighties rocks? I mean, he's, if you want
0: to qualify rock and roll music by, by making eighties the category, that's fine. I just,
1: I feel like he's not a rock star now. He used to be a rock star. He's not a rock star now.
0: Well, I, I'm just I, saying. I'm, I don't know. I think you're being a little elitist here. I probably
1: am. After I just look at me, after I just went and did that whole thing about Yellowstone, you know what? Check myself. Hey, Brett Michaels, good job. You're obviously doing, you've made it last a whole lot longer than I probably could have. If you buy that, though, please, please get it cleaned first. <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> All right, Jason, what is your black tank this week? Uh,
0: my black tank is a story out of, uh, again, one of our favorite states, New Mexico. There are several scenic overlooks in New Mexico that aren't exactly rest areas. Uh, they're, they're more of a place to just stop and you, they often have picnic tables and some trash cans, but there's no restrooms. Uh, they're not maintained like that. There's no facilities, that sort of stuff. And we've, we stopped at a couple of, we stopped at one on our way out of New Mexico to, uh, refill our gas tank with our generator gas because
1: let's i don't want to talk about that <laughs> there's
0: a long way between gas stations there i
1: don't want to talk about that uh because that was an instance where someone suggested something somebody blew that off and then somebody had to stop and put a uh, fuel in uh, the truck in order for us to which make i said it to our destination. my
0: backup is that i've got this five gallon gallon nope nope of gas we the had of the generator we
1: had nine miles to our name when we pulled we into that case, 12 <laughs> Look, miles. Nope, nope. I'm not gonna argue it. Not gonna argue it. Not gonna do it on this show.
0: Anyway, we already did it in the
1: truck. <laughs>
0: anyway, a couple of these overlooks along I 40 across New Mexico have disappeared, they have been closed. And somebody had sort of asked the state of New Mexico, the New Mexico Department of Transportation, why. The reason's fairly graphic, I'm sorry to say. Rest area crews that were going to deal with this place were dealing with urine filled plastic containers that were exploding in the sun on them.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Like water jugs and soda bottles and stuff like that. Hypodermic needles.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: And then illegal dumping from not not only from people just throwing their junk over these overlooks, but also RVers emptying their tanks.
1: Oh, no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. These scenic overlooks have essentially turned into dumps and it's just really sad what people are willing to do to places like this when it's like. So they've
1: shut them down. Yes. Like you can't use them anymore. Yeah. I mean the title of this article I think says it all. Why New Mexico can't have nice things like a scenic overlook. Yeah. This is from the Albuquerque Journal it looks like too. So I mean this is a local paper. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is awful. I mean, it's mean, just flat out awful.
0: We've seen lots of stuff like this in our travels, as, uh, particularly the urine bottles on the ground thing, which is weird. It's uh, very weird. You know, it's, and I, please don't get me wrong. I, I love our trucker friends who make this world run, but it's often truckers who like go in a bottle while they're driving and then leave it on the ground, which is the weirdest thing.
1: I, Especially happens. when there's usually a trash can like yeah, 15 feet away. Yeah,
0: but we've seen that stuff in Walmart parking lots and in, at rest areas and truck stops. And it's it's that's the thing. There the are unglamorous there are trash cans. There are restrooms.
1: I can't. It's so gross. <sighs> uh, I really I hope that those New Mexico Department of Transportation employees got a really super extra bonus uh, for the yeah, fact that they had to go clean which, all of that up. And thank you to them. For doing the work that not too many other people would want to do. And that's
0: considering that they're government employees. I'm sure they didn't get any sort of bonus, but.
1: (laughs) No, I doubt that they did. So thank you to them. Thank you to all those people who have to go and do uh, the work that goes unseen that, you know, we don't want to talk about. Yeah, that's gross.
0: Um, All right. What's your fresh tank? My fresh tank is Palm Springs, California. Hey, Palm Uh, Springs. and, And particularly the Palm Springs KOA.
1: That place was bombing. Like it was
0: good. You know, if you spend a lot of time in these RV Facebook groups, you see lots of people ragging on KOA saying they're way too expensive for what you get. And I would never spend my money on one. It's a big waste of money blah, blah, blah. The reality that we have found with KOA is that they are just like any other parks. Some are expensive. Some are not. Some are great. Some are not.
1: Well, they're all franchised out. So it just depends on the owner. I mean, we had stayed in one in lordsburg new mexico that was literally just a pass through
0: yeah it was and a it, gravel it was, lot
1: right but it was too expensive to just be a pass through we paid the exact same amount at this one in palm springs
0: we paid 40 bucks a night for palm springs now i that sound might, might sound a lot that's more than we normally pay we, for yeah we for never pay that, that much pretty on par with most private campgrounds across the country but this is palm springs california this is like really expensive yeah. real estate you know. It's a good
1: jumping off point for Joshua Tree and then also to go into Palm Springs, which we did. And we had dinner in town because uh, we had some family in the area. And also at this KOA, if we just talk about the KOA, it was super cool. They, the pool was great. The hot tubs were great. The There was activities every single day. They had morning yoga. Um, there was playground Pet area, mini golf. Like,
0: yeah, and the sites are very small. Oh, but yeah, that's, you're packed in like sardines. You're going to find that at any campground in Palm Springs for yeah. sure because the space is just limited.
1: I mean, I was worried our slide was going to be in the other campgrounds. But to
0: space. be able to swim in a pool and in hot tubs that are actual hot spring water. Yeah, that was cool. Was really neat.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a little rundown. Like, and I don't mean that in a it's bad way. It's older. just older buildings.
0: It's like kitschy, sort of yeah, L.A. Uh, Southern California camp feel.
1: It has beautiful views of the surrounding mountains, and you know, it was it was great. I was pleasantly surprised. We just needed a place to rest for a couple of days before we continued on into L.A., and this met. All our expectations and more. So it was great. We absolutely recommend this. It's the Palm Springs Joshua Tree KOA. And then if you do go into Palm Springs, there is a Starbucks reserve (laughs) in Palm Springs and you need to know
0: this.
1: (laughs) So go there and enjoy the downtown Palm Springs area. Palm Springs, I feel I had wrongly judged Palm Springs for a long time. It's way cooler than I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, hopefully when we come back through here again, we can spend some more time in Palm Springs. Yeah, we'll, we'll make talk. time
1: for it next time. It was cool.
0: All right. That's, uh, that's about this episode. Let's wrap it up with a brain teaser. The answers to the following riddles share a common theme. What do you call a cow that is laying down? What do you call a pig that loses a tug of war? What do you call a sheep's appendage? And what do you call a pig with an axe? We'll have the answer on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast.
1: Yes, we will. And thank you so much as always for joining us this week. It's always great to have you guys around. We want to remind you that America's National Parks and Sea America is still going strong. In fact, Sea America just wrapped up season two just days ago. So we'll be off for a few weeks and then we will be back with Believe It or Not, season three. Of the See America podcast. America's national parks just celebrated its two year anniversary. Yay. I cannot believe we've been at that for two years. And we are coming up on three years of RV miles it's crazy it's crazy and it is all because of you all out there listening each and every week to us just talk about a bunch of random stuff and hopefully stuff that is informative and helpful at the same time so again like we've been asking for a few weeks now if you are enjoying the show we would greatly appreciate it if you would just head over to Apple podcast and leave a five-star review That has been so incredibly helpful And we just want to say thank you so much to all of you who have been going over and doing that. RV Miles is all across social media. We would love to chat with you. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and we have the RV Miles Facebook group. We would love it if you would come and join us and get to know one of the nicest communities out there. So until next week, when we see you again from sunny California, Keep logging those RV miles.
0: Bye, everybody.